You're listening to Get Real KC with Jen and Eric. Kansas City's consumer-facing real estate podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Get Real KC, where we are overflowing with a passion for all things real estate. I'm Eric Jurgensen. And I'm Jen Justice. And today we are excited to have in studio with us Nathan Clausen from JR and Company. Now, Nathan, thank you so much for joining us. You are, among other things, I think, the vice president of the solar division at JR and Company. Is that correct? That's correct. Thanks for having me. Oh, man. It's so exciting to have you. We had somebody uh, previously, we had Dave on from JR and Company, and we talked about getting you on the podcast. Thanks so much for making the time. Yeah, yeah. This is awesome. Exciting. First podcast. Uh Whoa, Uh he's a podcasting Uh virgin. There you go. Uh, let's just take a minute because we've had JR and company on uh, for roofing and now we're talking about solar. Uh, certainly don't want to spend 30 minutes, which you could probably do, giving us the wonderful history of the company. But tell us a little bit about it, the divisions and what you do. Yeah, sure. So JR and company, and Dave probably covered it, but just for anybody new listening, um, we're, we're, we're a fairly large company. We do uh, commercial roofing, um, sheet metal. So if you think of a, a car dealership with that nice wall paneling on the outside. We sure. do that type of nice thing. Um, and then we've, we also do residential roofing. Uh, and then, so we have the solar division, which is, uh, what I run and operate. So we do that commercially as well as, uh, residentially. So, um, and residential yeah, got solar's lot. gotten a lot bigger in the last few years, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah I mean, I'm sure I, everybody's I, seeing it. You can't. I was just in a cul de sac looking at a house in Liberty uh, Monday, I think it was, and three families in that subdivision had solar on their roof. Yeah. Saves them a lot of money on their electric bill, they said. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the idea, right? To say that, and also, as a general rule, cleaner energy than maybe burning coal for your furnace, so. Yeah, for sure. All right, so let's jump into it, because I, I know I have a lot of questions, and I, I suspect our listeners will, too. Hopefully, uh, they'll match. Um, but let's just talk about solar in general, just to kind of tell people what we're talking about. If we say solar and they're like, huh? All right, we're talking about sort of what, what a layperson would see as these big sort of glass reflective panels that are on a roof catching sun and just by catching that sun we're getting energy to run whatever to charge our cell phones to run our dishwasher to heat and cool our homes is every house a good candidate for solar will solar work on every house what are some of the things that we need to be thinking about yeah that's a that's a great question a lot of so the short answer is technically yes if you have trees around if you're shaded by other structures right it's it's really how does that sun hit your roof okay so that's that's what we're thinking about that's what we're looking at a lot of times a first step we'll go on a google earth and check the uh, area see what kind of trees are around so if you've got good sun on your roof um yeah that's a first check and yeah i'm a good candidate what direction is the well, best direction. as I say, in real estate, we often think about direction because of the way the sun shines. And we do it because our clients might be interested in, is, is the ice on my driveway going to melt? Uh, am I going to have shade when I go mm-hmm. out and have a cocktail at the end of the night or you know, a, a lemonade or whatever it is? So we know that the south-facing portions of a house are going to get sun at some level all the time. Is that really the ideal direction uh, to be uh, having solar panels? Yeah, for sure. So 
uh, south facing. But you know, the sun comes up in the east and it sets in the west. So uh, the best slope is facing south, but not all homes face perfectly north sure. south. No, we got to have houses across the street from one another typically. <laughs> you know, so it may be on the front, it may be on the back, and depending on some things. But you know, and e- putting panels on the east facing slope or the west facing slope is just fine. You take just a little bit of a haircut on production. But it's still uh, it's still really good option there. But but north is probably not very desirable unless you have a near flat roof. Do not put them on the north side of your house. Makes sense. That's good advice. All right, that so, was a do not, friends. That's right, absolutely. Well, I mean, I I think that might be obvious if you've researched it. But if you're just now getting into it and you're like, okay, well, I can put it on my roof. Well, hang on a minute. I live in a forest, right? You know, um, unfortunately, I get shaded by the uh, the school that's not too far away. And so these are considerations. You have to have direct sunlight for this to work. Um, I, I think the next thing to jump into is probably the first thing on a lot of people's mind, which is cost. How much does this cost? And then, of course, the flip side we'll do afterwards is what does it generate for me? But let's just start with cash out of pocket for typical installs, um, what we're looking at and how that goes. Yeah, so I think I think probably just to go average, average, right? You know, there's sure. there's big houses with big roofs, smaller houses with small, different usage profile, how you use your power. But on average, the average house uses about 18,000 kilowatt hours a year, okay? That may not mean anything Come uh, like, to anybody. What? But, you know, their average bill a year is, you know, call it $2,000. Okay. Okay. So <clears throat> with that, I mean, you can offset that with, you know, a let's just say a 10 kW or a 10,000 watt system, okay, that might be, um, you know, if we've got, let's say, and and it's all, so you'll hear a lot of language in watts, you know, what's the wattage of a system, what's the watt of a panel, what's the price per watt, you know, so for anybody not used to talking in terms of watts, it's very new. But uh, if if you were to get a couple of quotes on your uh, on your home for a solar, everybody would be talking in watts. So I apologize. What's up? No, that's that's fine. I mean, that's good. And, and actually, yeah. it's really good. You're saying that as a, it's an industry standard. Yeah. And that's really good for consumers because once they learn it, they they're able to. It, to a certain extent, compare apples to apples. I mean, you never can do that because service is a huge deal. But um, so if, if you're an average home and you're consuming 18,000 watts a year that's costing you about two grand, uh, and don't jump into tax credits or any of that stuff yet, uh, and we're going to put a 10,000 watt system on the average home, what are we looking at uh, out of pocket? So, so let's say we put on 10,000 watt. Think, think about $3 per watt. Okay. So if I'm paying $3 per watt on a 10,000 watt system, you know, that's a good size system, by the way. You know, not all homes can handle right. t- 25 solar panels, roughly. You know, the average, I think, is about 8, 8 kW or 8,000 watt system right now going on residentially. So, but if we just go with a 10 kW make or a 10,000 watt yeah. system, yeah, make the math easy. You know, that's roughly 25, 400 watt solar panels. 
right? So every panel has a nameplate wattage. Sure. So 400 watt panel times 25 is 10,000 watts. You know, the cost on average residentially to install that's $3 a watt. So 30,000. 30,000. You'll see companies in at $4 a watt. You'll see some in at 275, and that really depends on who you're talking to and what what they're trying to do. And it's a great way to compare apples to apples. Mm -hmm. But when you say, "Hey, this is a big system, right?" But it's going to cost thirty thousand dollars. There was this huge intake of air. I heard it from our listeners. I I could feel it, like (gasps) right, because you know they're listening to all this. Oh, you get free, you get rebates, you get like. So now let's start talking about some of the offsets, some of the Mm -hmm. things that uh, the reason why you would do this. Why would I throw thirty thousand dollars worth of panels on my roof? Now that number probably includes a lot of the subsidiary stuff, the wiring, the panels, all of those, mm-hmm. uh, I would assume. And so there's more to it than just, you know, buy these things and they show up in a truck and they, you know, drag them onto your roof. Um, but there are, uh, right now anyway, this year, uh, through for the 2022 taxes, there is a tax credit. It actually had gone away, right? And it's back now. I think it's federal, isn't it? It's a federal tax credit, and it was it was set to go away. Um, that recent Inflation Reduction Act, uh, they put a lot of provisions in there for solar, both for uh, commercial and residential. Uh, but they went ahead and um, not only just extended it, but they raised it uh, back to a 30% tax credit. And they locked that in through 2030. Well, so, and then they'll start to... Uh, sunset it. <laughs> sunset it from there. So we've got a good road in front of us. 30, 30% tax credit? 30% tax credit. So that means, just a, 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 I am not a tax professional, but what that means is, is that 30% of the money you spend, you can have as a credit. That's not a, an adjustment on your gross income. That is a 30%. So if you spent $30,000, 30% of that is $9,000. less in taxes that you will pay. So you're going to get $9,000 back in taxes on that system for a 30% tax credit. That is absolutely correct. All right. So so already we've mitigated some of this cost. Yes, you've got to, you know, wait until tax time to get that money or not pay that money to the government. But that's very cool. And I didn't know they had locked it into 2030. So the government, right, the federal government is really pushing homeowners and businesses to start getting to more clean energy is what I'm hearing. That's correct. All right. Excellent. Um, but that's not really the sole reason why I do this, right? Cause I'm still out 21 grand for a nice, big, powerful system. Um, it's going to reduce my electric bill. That's correct. So, and really a 10 KW would probably offset a little more than 2000, right? So on average, uh, the key is, you know, we really got to analyze the bills. What what is your cost per kilowatt hour, or or how? Are, what's the fee for that power, right? So we want to we want to understand that. That's pretty important. But a ten kW might be twenty five hundred dollars, right? That our electricity cost just keeps going up. Uh, year so, over year. so what I'm hearing is is that what you guys do, and any good company is going to do this, is is that you ask for people to provide. Um, their the, their energy bills, 
you sit down with them, you say, based on your roof, right, the the amount of sun that you typically get in a year, uh, how many uh, how many kilowatts we're going to offset. This is what we expect your savings to be last year compared to this year. Is that right? Is that yeah, how you do it? That's exactly it. So, so 10, 12 years ago when I started in solar, the the tools were pretty rudimentary. You know, we were a lot of Excel spreadsheet based type <laughs> tools with speaking ass- my language assumptions, and you know, it was you know you really had to make the right assumptions. Now there's tools that that have wonderful data, you know, uh, pre-populated for you. So we, we can bring up any home, uh, put it into a system. We can do a shade analysis remotely through satellite. Oh, that's uh, cool. Very, very accurate uh, measurements as well. You know, so we can lay out every single solar panel where it will be on the roof and show that to a customer. This is what solar looks like on your roof. Uh, so they get a good look at that and say, hey, I like that. Or, you know, can we take those modules off? Maybe we want to move a pipe so we can make a more complete-looking solar um, array up there. You know, whatever it is, so you get a good visual. But even more than that, you get a great uh, financial look at it because we're putting those, when we take those electric bills, we're putting all that nuanced data. When you look at your electric bill, there's a lot of information on that. Oh, yeah, I just look at the number. <laughs> like yeah. there's so many lines what's, there actually what's the number i have to pay this month right yeah what's the due date what's the number 100 percent. so all that means something and that that gets taken into account when we do that analysis so when we bring that back to you you see the total system cost you see that um so to tie back around to you know how you generate a an roi or return on investment you know thirty thousand dollars you'll get a tax credit um uh, Evergy in a very small uh, geography ha- still has a little rebate left. So a 25 cent a watt rebate uh, is left outside of some areas in Evergy still. It's not available. But um, And then beyond that, it's, it's okay, what's my power, um, you know, saving me over time? Um, you know, and you'll get a good look at that. We've, in that analysis, we factor a very conservative 3% uh electric rate increase year over year. I think we've been averaging 8% or better for uh, s- several years. So, um, Well, I don't think that's going to shock anybody that you know electric electricity costs more year over year. I don't know. I've been seeing the average. He said they lowered their rates. I don't know that I feel like that's accurate personally, but I see a sign. Right? Like, I don't even well, know what that's so about. But. That's probably like one of the 35 line items we don't look at on our bill that that line item got lowered. Maybe. Nathan probably knows. I, I do know that um, of all the really smart people I talk to, uh, whether it's in a commercial setting or residential, um, different advisors, you know, there's this, this kind of circling um, – cost of increase that everyone's expecting next year they're saying hey energy could go up as much as 28 percent that could be gas natural gas electricity oh, well, but yeah of course but gas. They're, they're they're really looking at that uh going up in a significant way so um you know a lot of people are getting ready for that and trying to hedge against rising cost and one of the most cost effective ways you can do that with shortest roi is solar 
Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, and to say nothing of, I think, and I don't know, man, there's probably going to be somebody who's going to contact me after they've listened to the podcast going, you don't know anything about energy, which is probably true. Uh, but but uh, it just seems to me that um, while solar energy probably has its pitfalls, it certainly seems like a cleaner energy than stripping and burning coal. So I, a lot of people might be, you know, hey, this is my small little portion and trying to help save the planet a little bit. So, um, Are people still getting money back on their bills? Is that what you were talking about with the rebate? So, the, so it used to be 10 years ago, Evergy would give a – $2 per watt rebate up to $50,000. Okay, so imagine you have a meter, you put in a 25kW system or 25,000 watt system, they would write you a check for $50,000. That really stoked the solar industry in this area. Sure, that was like like two-thirds of the cost. Yeah, it, it was really a, uh, uh, a fun time to be in the industry, <laughs> right? <laughs> So uh, I was on that wave, and then really nothing happened for a while. But the cost of solar just kept coming down. Okay, you get more efficient, you know, supply demand that you know all works for good for the consumer theoretically. Yeah, yeah, and so you know, I put solar on my house ten years ago. Um, that that solar array, I've sold that house. I still talk to the owner, and uh, is working great offset nearly 100% of that home's electricity. So it's been doing that for 10 years. So, so they've paid for their system. Oh, uh, so, yeah, a few times. Uh, yeah. Well, so let's talk about that. Let's talk about um, the uh, longevity of these systems. And then we're going to tie that into roofing in general, which, of course, you know about. But uh, w- this, the modern system that you're going to install on my house next week, not that that's going to happen, and, you know, but um, uh, I'd love it to. <laughs> what? How long can I expect that system to last? So, <clears throat> and yeah, and what? Are, what is the maintenance on it from a homeowner's perspective? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, and those are always the things you got to consider that sometimes people don't ask. Um, it's one of the beautiful things about solar. You know, there's a lot of ways to get electricity. We talked about coal burning plants. You got uh, hydroelectric dams. You know, you got nuclear, nuclear yeah. you, and you know, wind is wind and solar. People usually talk about those because it's renewable. And you know, the thing about solar is there's no moving parts. There's nothing to break. It's a what's called a photovoltaic effect. So when the sun hits the panel, it excites some electrons and creates the flow of electricity. Excites electrons. <laughs> you know, they they jump and science is real. It it's so it's it's an effect. There's there's no bearings. There's no lubricants. There's no bra- There's nothing to. Not this big thing turning in the sky, right? You know, and yeah. So it's it's really a, a it's a wonderful thing. So you know that flow of electricity is in direct current. Okay, in our homes we use alternating current or AC. Okay, so we have to convert that DC, direct current, to alternating current, AC. So it has to go through an inverter. Okay, so if we use microinverters, and and that means there's an inverter on the back of every solar panel, right? So um, we, we can, you know, take it AC right off the roof, tie it straight into the electric panel. The other way is to have one bigger inverter. All the panels go to one bigger inverter and... Uh, get to alternating current that way. The reason that's important for the longevity is those microinverters are warranted for 25 years. Oh, wow. 
okay. That's so pretty sweet. The bigger inverter is warranted for um, some are ten, some are twelve, okay. But uh, if I'm putting solar on a on a home or even small commercial or even like a church, I'm thinking micro inverters almost every time because I get twenty five year warranty on that panels, and some of them now are thirty, and I get a twenty five your warranty on the microinverter. And it's just wonderful technology because you can see the production directly at the uh, panel level. So you can pull up wow. your phone, pull it up on your computer, uh, sunny day, in real time be like, oh, that panel's producing 340 watts, that one's 330, you know, 38 watts. And you see it move in real time. Um, uh, and those every single that. one of my geek friends uh, who uh, I am one and uh, love adoringly, they all just went, hang on a minute, I'm a lot more interested in this now because I get to micromanage all of this really cool stuff. So that's really cool. I did That's not, crazy. Uh, yeah. Are those warranties transferable? Like say somebody yeah. sells their house? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, wow. That's huge. Awesome. That's important. Yeah, that's important to probably our listeners mm-hmm. if they're looking to buy or sell some real estate. Um, so... Let, let me ask one kind of one more question that's around um, uh, costs and functionality. And I didn't even realize how maintenance free they're going to be. That's just awesome. Uh, and the question has to do with roof structure. We talked to Dave a little bit about this, but I just want to reiterate make sure that we've got it right. And then what happens if your roof needs to be replaced before your panels do? So, first of all, are these particularly heavy? Do you have to do some extra structuring in your roof to support them? Yeah, great question. So, um, the process of solar, we talked about 12 months bills, look at the analysis. Okay, great, let's do this. Um, To get a permit to do solar, um, part of that is you need to have a structural analysis of, of your home, right? So, you know, depending on your rafter, sizes and spans and you know how far apart they are from each other tells you a lot so in some cases you can and in most cases there is no additional structural reinforcement needed you know we're adding um two two and a half pounds a square foot maybe yeah it's not very much that's not that's not much okay sometimes homes are built in a way or in an area of a home you know you need a little extra bracing in the attic um, a good company uh, in the it, following the proper process will will find that out and be able to give you some options on that. Okay, but in general, there's no structural needed. So, but what I'm hearing is because I'm like really particular about making sure I get really high quality work when it comes to a lot of things, including my house, is is if if somebody's saying, "Oh yeah, we can slap those things on," and they haven't gone up into my attic and looked at my roof from the inside, then they're not doing their job. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. So, I mean, that that's always- Be Larry of the slap-up solar panel guy. Absolutely, because <laughs> they exist out there just like the fly-by-night roofing companies. Oh, yeah, and I'm going to ask you about companies. pace here in a second, so. Yeah, so, yeah they, they do exist, and you have to be very careful about it. I mean, you can't you can't get on any social media without seeing ads about, hey, we'll come to your home. And, you know, it, it's like the companies that, um, you know, drive up from other states uh, when we've had an, uh, a hailstorm. That's exactly what I was thinking. And they start knocking on the you doors. You know, your fly-by-night roofer that came in with the storm and has got- zero warranty, zero care, and 
Well, and, zero craftsmanship and zero follow up. Right? right. There's no right. I mean, that's one of the reasons why, you know, we like JR and companies because they're here. They're local. They're in other uh, states. Yeah, as well. basically nationwide. Yeah. But, but, but uh, you know, they're, they're not going standing company that's got yeah. a great reputation. So if you there's a problem, or Nathan will work for him. Otherwise, I know that about you, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, Jen. So. So that's that's good to know, right? That that all of this is part of the package you should be receiving when somebody's as opposed to oh, I got them in my truck, I'll put them on this afternoon, which I realize it can't go that fast, but you know, conceptually. Well, if it can, you better watch out. <laughs> um, for sure. So what you're saying is most roofs can support it, and if not, a good company is going to say, "Here's what we need to do to get your roof to support it." What about um, if uh, my shingles, my roof needs to be replaced while we have solar panels on it? What's that all about? Yeah, proper roof assessment's also part of that, right? So you're looking looking structurally, how is it? And then the shingles uh, as well. So in general, if your shingles are five to seven years old and were um, possibly 10, so there's different qualities of shingles right. and different, so yeah, Dave different. Yeah, definitely went through yeah, we all went that. Through that. It's a very yep. educational podcast. It's fan- just like this one, very fantastic. So. Yeah, so, you know, you, you really want uh, a good roof assessment there. You know, most solar companies can't uh, give you the proper roof assessment. What What's the expected life here? Is, is there maybe flashing details that aren't done right that maybe need to be shored up first. But in general, if you're five to seven years into a roof and it aesthetically looks good, you don't have any uh, leaks, you're probably good to put solar on that. Beyond that, you really need to look pretty hard at getting a closer look at what's going on up there before you uh, mount a solar array that, you know, you want to be up there for 25, 30 plus years. So ideally, I've got an equal amount of time left in my roof as I do my solar panel, right? And yeah. then when we redo the we redo the whole thing. But there's got to be cases where, well, you know, this just occurred to me. It's just off the top of my head. But I mean, I'm thinking to myself, there's got to be cases where the roof needs to be replaced. I mean, we do have hail, so I'm going to pause for a minute and digress. How do these things stand up to the weather? So they they. Stand up to the weather really well, wind and hail. There is a lot of systems that we have been contracted to uh, solar systems to take off of the roof that weren't damaged in the hail, but the rest of the roof was. So let's just pretend that happened. All of this is covered by this by the insurance company, right? So um, they pay us take the uh, solar array off, we palletize it, we check everything, make sure it's good. Uh, we either re-roof it or another roofing company can re-roof that, and then we can reinstall that that solar array. So uh, it takes some um, large hail, like baseball size hail, to damage a solar panel. And um, as far as wind goes, I think you, know, you need to be up over 120 miles. I haven't seen any wind damage under 120 Not miles going an wood. hour. I don't want so to see that in is, our area. If, if the wind is damaging your solar panels, there's a lot you of other problems. You had a tornado problems. in this yeah. area if your, yeah. your solar panels got damaged with those kind of winds. You mentioned insurance, which is a, a great segue into if you're going to do solar, you need to talk to your homeowner's insurance company uh, or agent because this could affect your insurance. Your rates might go up a little bit. So what I found so far is they're happy to just go ahead and note 
hey, thank you for letting me know there's solar on there. Um, I think in total loss, you know, I'm not an insurance sure. guy. Yeah, none of us I are. have I have um, solar on my house, and I was really sure to make sure that, hey, it's covered, you know, what happens. And I went ahead and raised my uh, total loss situation. Uh, so in the event that it burnt down, tornado wiped it out, whatever it was, that it was picking up the solar cost as well as the rebuild. Right. Of I mean, it, it's an investment just like your house. So, or, and it becomes technically part of your house. So you want to make sure that it's covered. So that's a good, and next time we have somebody, you know, Megan or whoever we have, um, um, uh, Robert, and we've had a couple of insurance agents on. Uh, we'll get somebody back in, and we'll ask them specifically about solar. So we'll remember to do that. Um, so I, I've, they can be taken off and removed if the roof needs to be replaced for some reason, and they still have longevity in them. That's good to know. Um, uh, so now let's kind of get into the the real like the the positive the real reason why I got this before which, you go there yeah how are people paying for these because we know about these pace loans which in some areas have been predatory but I think there's also a good use for them and I'm guessing that that's one of the ways these people can pay for these solar panels to get put on their house because most of our listeners don't have thirty thousand or twenty one thousand or whatever sitting around so what are some of the methods that people use to get these systems because obviously they sound wonderful there's going to be a long-term positive effect on my financial future but in the meantime i got to figure out how to pay for this uh perfect question so um and i meant to say something about this when we we're talking through the financials the majority of solar going on homes it, it's financed in some way, if not some short-term financing. They do have longer-term, um, even up to 20-year uh, finance or even lease options. Um, you you talk specifically PACE. Um, I would just kind of generalize that to financing or leases in general. Um, there are definitely some predatory uh, approaches out there. You want to get competitive quotes and make sure the numbers uh are, are matching up. You'll you'll get a sense. You you likely want to meet with them. I wouldn't get too arm's length in the process. You know, I just was at a customer's home. And we were talking. Um, I did the solar layout. Um, Twenty three panels is what this guy could fit with his energy usage and and how it what it meant on his bills. It was roughly fifty fifty five percent of his energy usage. Well, he had two other companies tell him that it, one said it was going to be 100% offset of his electricity, and another one said it would be 80 And I've been doing solar a long time. I just know that's not true, and we went through it, and he was very thankful to have that information. It was still a good deal at a 50% offset of his electricity, but if he was expecting 100%, he would have been disappointed. So yeah. Yeah. Right, and we want yeah. a win-win. So is – does JR have, do you connect them with that financing then, or do they need to go to their local bank, or what would be their method for that? Yep, you got a bank. We have partners. The solar, in, there is there is uh, good companies servicing the solar industry. Um, some of your big, bigger, more reputable companies will, will you know, we're all kind of sharing some of the same, same partners there. So where this gets good is when you can find that sweet spot of, okay, Let's finance this. So let's say you're paying $100 to, to Evergy for your electricity. Well, um, maybe 
maybe your new solar payment is $70 and you're netting $30 or netting sure. even $10 or maybe even breaking even for six or seven years. And then after that point, is money in the bank. You got locked in electricity, right? Because you're producing, you bought it at a certain price, but at, in the meantime, electricity has gotten really expensive. In, in 10 years, it's going to be much more expensive right. as now, but you're still kind of locked in at right. that rate. If you're getting 50% off of your energy bill, and that's $100 today, in 10 years, it's going to be $150 or $200. And so you're getting 50% of that off, but your payment amount isn't going up because that's locked in. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's that's really good to know. And I, you know, financing is certainly something that I would suspect most people would end up doing. But just caution yourself to vet yeah. the lenders, look at Absolutely. that. Um, you know, I've heard, heard stories about that pay stuff, which is why I bring it up, but uh, great programs and, and just, you know, trust your partner that you're working with because they're going to probably have some good referrals for you. For sure. So I, I've I've had you out uh, or another reputable company, but I mean, why would I use a different one? Uh, you've done an assessment. Uh, we've done all the stuff. We you know we've agreed on. Uh, we know what the price is, how many panels, what where they're going to sit. We know um, what it's going to cost, how I'm going to finance it. All of that's done. We're ready to go. And now I want to kind of talk about some of the nuts and bolts. Um, because there are certain myths out there and certain things that were true a long time ago that aren't true now. And so um, let me explain to the listeners. What we're going to talk about is net metering. Uh, but what that means is, is that at some point, my panels will be producing more energy than I'm using in the moment. Right? And so the phrase that I think a typical layperson would use is, well, that energy is going onto the grid, and the company has to pay me for that, which, by the way, used to be true. So explain to us how that works. It's the concept of net metering, uh, where that energy goes if I get compensated for it. And it is, although I think Kansas and Missouri are very similar, but it is a state-by-state -state thing. If you're listening from out of state, your state might be a little bit different. 100%. So <clears throat> net metering the way I like to describe it is it's it's the relationship between you and the utility, right? How are you, what are you doing with the uh, extra production or the credit, let's call it credit, going back and forth, right? So uh, right now your home has a one-way meter, right? It, you are using electricity from the power plant, from the grid, straight to your home, and it goes one way, that's it. When we're done installing a solar array on final inspection, they will install a bidirectional meter, which allows electricity to flow from the grid to your home and from your home back to the grid. Now, the relationship in that is in that metering is, let's say it's a April day, it's cool, your HVAC is not running, you're not home. Odds are your meter is just flying backwards. You are putting a lot of electricity onto the grid. Uh, Evergy says, hey, thank you for that. We're going to sell that to your neighbor at retail rates. Okay. And they do. And that's what happens. Now, when you come home, you know, you uh, maybe you want to adjust the temperature. Maybe you're putting on your electric uh, stove. Maybe you got electric water heater. People are showering. Whatever the thing is. Now, all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, you got usage, right? Sun's not out anymore. Now, you start drawing power off 
the grid. So the uh, electricity that they banked for you in the meter during the day when they sold it to your ne- neighbor, you're just simply now making take, a withdrawal, make, taking that back. So it's a nice relationship back and forth. And in this area, so in Kansas and Missouri, that settles up every month. Okay, so it's a one-for-one credit back and forth uh, all day, every day for a month. So when your bill cycle closes, they'll tally up. And if there's an extra, you know, maybe you overproduced a little bit. They're not going to give you a full retail for that, uh, for that power, but they'll give you what's called voided fuel cost. We didn't have to burn this much coal. So, you know, instead of 10 cents a kilowatt hour, here's three cents a kilowatt hour. You know, and then that will go away from your service charge and things like that. So month to month, uh, essentially, if I overproduce and then I use, uh, you know, overproduce on Monday and I use on Wednesday, uh, that's fine. That all works out in the wash. I get everything that I produce. Um, If over a month's period of time, I produce a total amount more than I actually use, I will get a discounted rate from the uh, utility company, from my uh, electric company, uh, they'll they'll pay me. They'll still make a profit on it, but they'll they'll pay me at least something. So it's, I'm not just giving it away. And this is all mandated by the government. With they and they have to do the agreements. Whenever you hear this, whenever your utility company wants to do a rate hike, it has to get approved by a utility commission. Mm-hmm. So that that's where all this comes from. So that's that's really good. That means I can produce, and if I'm really trying to, to, to game the system and math it out, I probably, even if I could, wouldn't put solar panels on my house that I thought were gonna produce 120% because it wouldn't make sense. But maybe 90% or 100% might make sense. Yeah, not unless you were going to build out a basement in the next three, four months and uh, add a bunch of extra load, you know, that you knew was coming. Uh, what about um, what about if the power goes out? Right, we're we're in a uh, we've we've had a storm. Uh, here would be a great example in Kansas City. We've had an ice storm. Lines are down all over. I don't have power in my neighborhood for two days, but the sun started shining. Do, do I get energy in my home? Your power is still out. You know, so it-, it Bummer. There, so back to that relationship with the utility, they want to know. So if the power's out, that means a line's down somewhere, a transformer's blown. And if your solar array doesn't shut off, what that means is great, it's producing power for your house, but it's also in that bi-directional meter, if you're overproducing, it can send power down the line and zap alignment. Mm. So they got to know that that is shut off. So in the current uh, way that it's interconnected, uh, it they need needs, a switch. It needs to. So in that, and we probably could spend a whole segment on <laughs> battery backups, but really, and and that has become uh, you know, the cost has come down. I'm really looking at a battery backup for my house. But in that arrangement, if you have a battery backup, even a very small battery backup, with that becomes special switch gear where it recognizes, okay, the utility, the grid is down. Let me disconnect. All right, now I'm going to fire up my 
solar or whatever through my battery and it recognizes it so then it will work but there is very wow. specific gear for that and it's similar to anybody that would have a home generator yeah you know it's similar uh-huh. to that but it, it needs a battery function for that to happen awesome. so the reality is is the way these things are connected to the utility grid is if power's not coming to you it shuts power going out because uh, for safety reasons Correct. So wow. if the power goes out, unless you choose to invest in some kind of battery backup, which is really ultimately, uh, I think most people are familiar with that. You know, they have various things in their home. Their laptop technically works that way. Um, uh, but unless you do that, when the power is out in your neighborhood, even if you have solar panels, the power is out in your home. That's correct. So that's good to know. Um we're nearing the end of our podcast, so uh, this is the second time we've had somebody from JR and Company. We really appreciate it. We think you guys are great. Uh, I suspect our listeners do as well. So, Nathan, how, how are they going to get a hold of you to have you come out and do an assessment on solar or even their roof in general? How do they contact you guys? So our website's great. So if you go to uh, www.jrcousa.com, okay, you can find us there. There's a solar tab. Otherwise, you can just send us a. Uh, let's just say, hey, I want to inter- I want to interact with these guys. You can just send us your twelve months bills with your name and some information in there. A lot of it's on your bills, but that's solar at jrcousa.com. Okay, that's a that's a great way to get started. We can reach back out to you. Um, we can get that analysis built for you. We don't charge for that, and you can see what it looks like uh, for you and on your home. So that so you, when you're looking at solar in particular, be prepared to dig out or get um, download right uh, the 12 months worth of energy bills of, of electric bills. Yeah, super important. Okay, and then at jrcousa.com right or solar at. So that's really cool. So we're down to our final question, which we ask of every guest, uh, which is sort of what's the craziest nuttiest thing you've seen when you've been doing this, and try to keep it to residential. Okay. Well, in residential, okay, here's one. There is a system that was installed, uh, it was nearly, it was put about, about 10 years ago. And, um, you know, it was during that big rebate time. So I don't think the customer was, he was happy with the check he got, but it wasn't necessarily looking that much at the power. When we went out there, so it needed a re-roof, we took the panels off. When we took the panels off, um, more than a third of them were never even hooked up. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so for 10 years, uh, you, you could have been having 30% more power. And it's like, wow. And, and uh, you know, unfortunately, um, there's more stories like that, especially when you get into the commercial application. Um, but... Yeah, you know, you want to really make sure you're using the right right people on your. Uh, well, and that and that wow. app you mentioned would be like really important. Like, okay, I've yeah, got 15 panels. That, what are all 15 of them doing today? Hundred uh, percent. That's uh, that's hilarious. I mean, it's sad, but it's it's also kind wow, of funny. Wow, that's right? crazy. All right, well, Nathan, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, it's very informative, and uh, we love what you guys do. I really appreciate it. Hope you had a good time. 
Thanks for having me. This was awesome. And uh, my first uh, podcast check off the list. <laughs> Great you know, job, buck, Nathan. Bucket list completed. Did I hear this is your 50th? This is number 50. That's a good point, right? So we should have celebrated that at the beginning of the podcast. But I know, but Nathan just had such a wealth of information. He did. That we've we, gone a little long so for important. our listeners, but this is just crazy That's good info. Number, hey, number 50. Congrats to you guys. And this is such a pro setup. Uh, you know, really cool. Thanks for doing what you're doing. Oh, uh, no, I appreciate it. Appreciate it. And thank you for sharing the information. All right, everybody, that's it. Another great episode of Get Real KC. Until next time. You have been listening to Get Real KC with Eric Jurgensen and Jen Justice. For more information or to contact our hosts, visit us at dreamhomesbygen.com you can find more episodes exploring real estate as it matters to you.